Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. Today's episode, we're going to talk all about forgiveness and the role of forgiveness on our healing journeys. Before we dive into forgiveness, I want to take a moment and thank everyone for tuning in for another episode or welcome anyone who's here for their first episode of the Self Healer Soundboard. We put this podcast production on ourselves and we do it intentionally without ads or partnership or promotion from anyone else so that you can listen straight through without any interruptions and so that we can keep this a really engaged conversation ongoing within our community. So for that reason, we only will show up on charts based on reviews. And we would love if you feel called to after this episode, if you could pop over to Apple or any other podcast platforms or our YouTube channel and leave us a review about what you're loving on the podcast, maybe what you'd like to hear us discuss. This also helps give context to others who may not have heard of the Self Healer Soundboard yet and are scrolling through podcasts so they can kind of get a gist of what it is that we talk about here. Also, I want to note on our YouTube channel, we have the video version of this podcast recording. So for those of you who are looking for closed caption to be able to read this podcast, you can head to our YouTube channel and find it there. Again, thank you all for tuning in. And if you feel called, we would really love and appreciate your reviews. Absolutely. Yeah. So a big way that word spreads about really all of our work in this podcast is everyone out there listening, the community. So for those of you who don't feel comfortable writing a review, sharing it, sharing it with your best friend, share an episode that resonates with your own Instagram or social media community. This is how the word gets out. And we truly, truly appreciate it. So diving into this episode where we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And I began by acknowledging that the process of forgiveness is often part of the healing journey for many of us. Why? As we become conscious, a word that probably many of you have heard come out of my mouth or Jenna's mouth numerous times at this point, as you become simply aware, as you become witness to the effects mainly of our past, of the conditioning, how it continues to affect us day in and day out, maybe of past painful things that have happened, as all of this comes into our awareness, we have feelings in response. We might feel hurt. We might feel angry. We might feel sad and then everything in between, giving us, of course, an opportunity to practice forgiveness. So for many of us, as we become aware, even included of ourselves and the effects that our own conditioning has on our loved ones, has on our own world, we face or we meet multiple opportunities to engage in this practice, the practice of forgiving not only ourselves, but of those around us. Forgiveness is really a gift that we give ourselves, and we often think of forgiveness pertaining to some big event or tragedy from the past. And you'll hear more on today's episode that forgiveness really is a daily practice and an ongoing practice minute to minute. It doesn't mean condoning someone else's behavior. Instead, it's something that we offer to ourselves and only resides really in our own minds and our own hearts. I think it would be helpful to begin with how do we define what forgiveness is. Um, Because you could Google the word forgiveness and see it defined in many different ways. Though I think that there's some unified characteristics of the definition. So for our episode's sake and our work here, we'll define forgiveness as a conscious and deliberate act of letting go of pain and all of the other related emotions that occur when we feel hurt towards the person or the experience that resulted in that pain and that hurt and whatever the emotion is, regardless of whether or not that person deserves it. 
So let's break down components of this definition. I think the first piece to take a look at is conscious and deliberate. And the reason why I'm pausing here is myself included, I think a lot of us believe or wait for forgiveness to happen, for there to be this one moment in time where I'm released from whatever that hurt is. We wait for it to happen to us. And that's just not how forgiveness works. Again, it is a deliberate, a conscious act, the actions even included involved that we have to take to practice forgiveness. The next part of definition, letting go. It's in the action that we're mainly talking about is of letting go, whether it's the repetitive thoughts, us reliving that hurtful experience, again, whether it's decades in the past or just this morning. We have to let go of the experience itself. And again, that's only an action that we can take. Getting to the last part of the definition, which I know can feel a bit controversial, regardless of whether or not the person deserves it, right? Because as to speak to Jenna's very beautifully made point, forgiveness is an action we take for ourselves. It doesn't matter whether or not we determine that the person is deserving of our forgiveness or not, because forgiveness is something we do for us. Now, of course, this doesn't mean that we continue to maybe engage in a relationship with the person who hurt us. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. But again, forgiveness is an action we take for ourselves. So it's not really related to the person at all. And why would we want to forgive? Well, because as Nicole's saying, the more that we hold on to those feelings, that anger, that upset, that resentment, we essentially become hostage to them. So whatever it is that happened, happened. You can't unhappen it. So now what you're dealing with is not actually the event itself or the hurt itself, but instead you're in a cycle now of the thoughts and the feelings reliving that event. If you're continuing to hang on to those feelings, to hang on to that pain, to hang on to that anger or that resentment, whatever it may be, when that happens, you become hostage to it. You're not free. There's a Chinese proverb I love that says, if you're going to pursue revenge, you better dig two graves. And this one I very personally relate to as I spent a large part of my life, about half of my life actually, holding on to very deep anger and pain, resentment and frustration and sadness in my relationship with my father in particular. So this is someone who, if you've listened to past episodes, you know, is a very influential person in my life and influential by the fact that this person walked out. This person, while they were there, did cause the most pain and the most trauma and harm of the people in my life. And it was through an act of forgiveness with him that really my whole world changed. So I really want to highlight that because there truly are no longer any ill feelings that I have towards either of them. So I grew up in upstate New York with my twin brother and my older brother and my mother and my father. And when I was eight years old, you know, after years of really battles with the court systems, battles with social services, a lot of abuse, a lot of addiction, my father ended up leaving. He, um, he went to rehab for a while. He also suffered addiction. And then he left when I was about eight and moved back to Pennsylvania, where he was from. Now, he didn't tell us that he was leaving. I knew that he was in rehab. I went to visit him once in rehab, and then suddenly he was just gone. And about four or five months later, we got a phone call that he had moved back to Pennsylvania to, quote, go be with his family, which as a child was very heartbreaking and very confusing because here I am thinking, well, 
I'm your daughter. To me, the only family I have are my siblings and my mom and dad. So he went there to go heal. It's what he needed. And I've learned later that there was a lot more at play and the safest decision that he could make for us as children and for himself really was to leave. And I didn't learn that till later. I didn't learn that until I actually got to forgive him, which I'll get to in a little bit. So he left, but that longing didn't go away. It actually got stronger, right? Absence made the heart grow fonder for sure. I still had this desire to connect with him, this desire to be a daddy's girl or to run after him. So as a child, probably I think between 12 and 14, I spent a lot of time calling the court systems, calling social services, learning on my own how old I can be to choose to go live with a parent. I wanted to go live with my dad. It didn't matter if it was an unsafe upbringing. I just had this deep love for him. So when I was 14, I did go and live with him. And I saw that it was still the same cycles and patterns of chaos and trauma from the past. So while I thought I was moving there really indefinitely, I only ended up being there for about two or three months. So after a couple months in, My dad came in one night, a really emotional man with a massive, massive heart, completely in tears, sobbing, and woke me up and just held me and cried and said, Jenna, I'm so sorry. I don't want to raise you anymore. I can't raise you. I need you to go back to New York. So I thought, okay, I'll go back to New York next week after I say goodbye to all of my friends here, and I go home to my mom. And his pain was so deep that he said, I need you to leave tomorrow. So the next day, without saying goodbye to anyone, I really just packed up my stuff and I left. I go back to New York and a number of years go by that I don't have any communication with him. It doesn't mean that the longing in my heart has disappeared. It's actually grown much, much deeper. I still love him. I still miss him. So as I would do when I'm 17, I return back to Pennsylvania on this quest to build a relationship with my father and really meet the man that I never got to meet or experience as a child. So 17, I'm back in Pennsylvania. And once again, of course, because there has been no healing in the meantime, it is still the same patterns, the same cycle, the same chaos as before. This time, however, I end up spending a year there, a year that ends pretty violently and tumultuously with him back in the hospital, um, also suffering from his own addiction and now physical illness from all of his own trauma. So I say goodbye to him. I head back to New York and really I don't talk to him for years and years. I don't see him for 12, 13, 14 years go by and I'm at a place where I'm really diving into my own healing. And for me, that brought me right back to where everything began. For me, it became very important to rip open all of these old wounds and as I call it, really dive into the trenches and sort of heal these things or face them head on from the inside out. So at this point, I haven't spoken to or seen my father in about 14 years. And as I'm doing my own work, I'm very present to how much I love him. Yes, there is so much anger. There's a lot of pain and a lot of resentment. And it becomes more and more clear that the anger and the pain and the resentment is actually holding me hostage. The more I hold on to that, the more I'm still living in this cycle of of heartbreak when really all I genuinely wanted was to love him and more so for him to understand and truly feel how much he was actually loved. I wasn't still angry or shameful of any of the things that he did. I just wanted him to feel loved and know how loved he had always been. So 
This led me to reaching out to him and sharing all of that with him. Now, at this time, I lived in Denver, Colorado. This was four years ago, and he is still living in Pennsylvania, where he still lives today. So I sent him a message, I think, on Facebook, and I called him. And after a few attempts, you know, I connected with him and I talked to him on the phone. I shared how much I loved him. And really, for me, what was so important was actually seeing him. And I want to note really quickly here that while seeing him for me is what I felt called to do, forgiveness for others may not look like seeing that other person. It may not look like even interacting with the other person. And it certainly isn't condoning the other person's behavior. Forgiving for a lot of people may mean letting go and releasing and really setting new boundaries that will keep you safe. So I knew that I was in a place and stable enough in myself and him as well to approach seeing him in person. So I asked him if he would be open to me flying him out to Colorado. And after a lot of hesitation, a lot of fear on his end, he said yes. So a friend of mine actually, because I had no money at the time, supported me in this and booked his plane ticket out to Colorado for a three or four day stay. So I haven't at this point seen my dad in the flesh for 14 years. The last time I saw him, I was 17 and now I'm 31. And the experience of picking my father up at the airport and then the days that I would spend later with him truly transformed the rest of my healing journey and really my entire life at large. And I had a friend's house in the mountains in Colorado that weekend. I took him up there to visit and to stay and really got to meet him as a person for the first time and also got to forgive him and quite literally let him know, dad, I love you. I hold nothing from our childhood against you. I understand the pain that you endured and And also the pain that I don't know about, the traumas I don't know about. While this meant something so profound for my dad as well, who in those moments felt like he finally got to see his daughter. He got to connect to his daughter, who he really spent an entire life not knowing. While that's so powerful, what really happened in this act of forgiveness was everything internally for me. Yes, I gave a gift to my father. I got to give presents and love to him. But what I got to give to me was an entirely new view of him. And in that act of forgiving him, of loving him, I truly let go of and released all of this pain and resentment and anger from all of these old situations of the past that just kept cycling. When all that was in front of me right now was still a father who thankfully is alive and me being healthy and well now able to engage with him in a way that is safe, in a way that is boundaried, and really being able to teach myself that anything truly is possible. Thank you, Jenna, for sharing all of that. I know how impactful pretty much your whole relationship with your dad is, including this profound moment of forgiveness. And in your story and your sharing, what you're highlighting, I think, is is a process that many of us go through in our own healing journey become aware as we become aware of how the past continues to affect us, how our earliest relationships affect us, we oftentimes cultivate compassion, right? We see the trajectory of early things that continue to have impact in our lives. And when we do that for ourselves, it becomes a little bit easier by extension to then gift that compassion to someone else. And now what do I mean when I say that? Just like you very beautifully word it, we get to see our parents, maybe our caregivers, those that hurt us from our past 
as the human being that they are, as the human being that was impacted by their own past, by their own childhoods that we might not even have all of the information around. And when, as we begin to cultivate that compassion for our past behaviors, maybe even our current ones, because I know there are many moments to this day in my current life where I do have older reactions that I don't necessarily mean in my own heart of hearts. And again, as we begin to what I call depersonalize these reactions, reactions even maybe embedded in our childhood called our family dynamics, for a lot of us, we can depersonalize that in adulthood in a way that we couldn't in childhood. What does depersonalizing mean? Pulling back, seeing all of the other factors that might be contributing or might have contributed to what happened that are outside of even us. Because when we're a child, when Jenna was a child, it was very hard for her mind. She lacked the maturity to make sense of it, to understand that mom and dad did have separate lives outside of her home, just like I lack that, just like all of you listeners lack that. So in short, in childhood, we take everything that happened to us personally. We take it as an indicator of our lack of worthiness, as some defect in us, as our unlovability or whatever our narrative is. And again, while we can't depersonalize in childhood, we can in adulthood. And that's the byproduct often of healing because we see all of the factors that contributed to all of our habits and patterns that don't serve us and the world around us. And then again, by extension, we can sometimes offer that to those that hurt us. So much of what you're speaking of, Nicole, really comes down to responsibility. And as children know, you are not responsible. We are not responsible for what happens to us. However, as adults, we are responsible for our response to it. So I could be sitting here still today, now not having spoken to my dad in 18 years, and I got really clear on that it's my responsibility. If I want to see him, if I want to relationship, if I want to even just let go of this anger and stop festering in this painful, traumatic cycle of my past, then that's up to me now. As a child, I wasn't responsible for everything that happened or I endured. And now as an adult, as Jenna at 34 and a few years ago when I called my dad to fly him to Colorado at 31, that was really the first time that I got really clear that it was my responsibility to really take my life into my own hands. And if I didn't want to be living in that anger or resentment or digging that grave and pursuing this resentment, then that was up to me to do the work. And and to be clear, um, throughout your story, you even shared this, Jenna, that you at that time of making contact, of inviting that out, you felt safe to do so. And I'm going to repeat that. You felt safe to do so. So to be clear, Right. As we become aware, as we maybe cultivate compassion and see the human in the person who hurt us for what they are, does not mean that we have to continue to engage in that same type of relationship or in a relationship at all with this person. So to be clear, some of us might not take the path that Jenna did in her healing journey. Some of us might earth path, unearth past pain and might come to the conclusion that, you know what? This person isn't safe. We might need distance or a boundary, or we might need to end the relationship entirely. And in those moments, then grief becomes part of the forgiveness journey. Grief for many things. For some of us, grief for past versions of ourselves that we're shedding and evolving out of. For others, 
grief on past versions of the relationship itself. It once looked like this. It can no longer look like this because I don't feel safe for it to look like this anymore. And then, of course, the natural grief that comes when we do choose to keep that distance. So to be clear, the person who does or doesn't deserve our forgiveness doesn't matter because we still can create safety for ourselves. So even if we decide to forgive an act of harm that was caused to us in our past, we might still decide to put up a boundary. To be clear, forgiveness does not mean continuing the relationship as if nothing happened. So for those of you who are listening and maybe going down a checklist now of all these big traumatic events or even smaller events from your past and those people that you need to forgive, forgiveness is, as we mentioned, something that we also give ourselves. So while I use that example with my father as you know a, a pretty big, intense example for me of an act of forgiveness with another person and of my past, forgiveness is also a daily practice that happens in much, much smaller moments. Even just yesterday, I was talking to my partner, Lolly, after reading some old reviews of this podcast. And there are a few critical reviews about my presence on this podcast. And if you've listened to season one and now are listening to season two, you may notice a difference. Hopefully you notice a difference. Um, But some of these reviews I know come from the earlier episodes where it was my first time ever on a podcast. It was my first time really appearing from behind the scenes and sitting next to Nicole up here in the public on social media, who has millions of people who know and love her. And I spoke on that a bit in the Ego Stories episode. And reading those reviews brought back that same sort of visceral feeling. I began to beat myself up. I started to really judge myself and was really shameful of how I showed up back then instead of kind of reframing that and really acknowledging to myself, well, you did the best that you could then. And I share this because as I shared with Lolly, oh, I'm going to I'm going to use this when we record about forgiveness tomorrow, because it was very clear to me as I was scrolling through those comments and feeling that feeling beginning to beat myself up that, oh, I need to forgive myself. I need to forgive myself right now for judging myself. And to take it a step further, I also have the opportunity to forgive myself for judging the fact that I'm judging myself. I'm now even making it wrong that I'm judging myself for having all of these human reactions for critical reviews and comments. And I use that example because I think it's a just really great and quick practical example to see that forgiveness doesn't have to be some huge unearthing of a relationship or rekindling from decades in the past. It's literally just moment to moment, something as quick as Oh, I'm judging myself. Okay, I forgive you, Jenna, for judging yourself. Yes, so forgiveness is a process, regardless of if it's the big things in our past that we're looking, of course, to forgive, or if it's those daily things. And I'll share my daily opportunity to practice forgiveness in a second. But let's get clear now on what is the work of forgiveness. So everything we've talked about, the work of forgiveness begins when you become conscious, when you self-witness, right? The effects of our past, including our feelings. When you have feelings of hurt, sadness, resentment, grief, anger, really great places to look if you're carrying something, if there is part of your past that is impacting your present. Then, of course, we take the next step and maybe we do begin to offer that same compassion we've been practicing with ourselves on our own journey acknowledging again 
the level of awareness, the wounding that might have resulted in those actions that that other person engaged in that harmed us, right? And then the final step, the actual work of it is releasing, right? Like we said, actually letting go, paying attention to all of those moments, whether it's when we're laying in bed at night, reviewing our our day or our life even, where we're repeating the stories of harm that were caused to us. A lot of us engage in that repetitive storytelling every night even. So becoming aware of those moments when we're telling ourselves those stories that can harm us, and then how do we let go or release it? We make the most powerful choice we can ever make with our attention. We remove it. We put it on our breath. We put it on whatever we're doing. We focus on something else outside of those thoughts. That's how we actually allow them to release. So I'll share my daily opportunity to practice forgiveness is typically around disappointment. When I assess or feel that I've disappointed, maybe myself, maybe I had an expectation for myself and what I would complete in any given day or more so someone else. Um, When I have the idea that I, you know, either because I don't have the resources to show up and meet someone's expectation or because I'm choosing not to in any given moment, I, I, I hold myself hostage. I, I feel guilty and or if someone else doesn't meet my expectations on how I believe they should show up for me, love me, here's a word I love to revisit, consider me, I blame. And I have the same repetitive guilt thoughts about myself, I blame. I have blame-inducing thoughts about someone else. So, and again, I bear witness to these thoughts throughout the day. I see those moments to the best of my ability where I'm holding on to guilt, where I'm holding on to blame, where I'm rehearsing those stories and I release them. I have a a quick story I want to share because I was actually called out by a chiropractor. Um, Jen and I used to see a (laughs) chiropractor in Venice and he was more of a Chinese medicine practitioner, didn't just do chiropractic care for those of you who are familiar with traditional chiropractic care. Anyway, long story short. I went in, I got my assessment, he did all of this muscle testing, and ultimately he told me what my issue was and wrote a affirmation for me to begin to practice because it turns out my issue wasn't physiological, wasn't in my spine or my back at all. Um, Again, it was in my mind, in my subconscious. And what the chiropractor was able to unearth, and I was mind blown because mind you, this was the first time I saw this man, stranger to me, Jenna had seen him for one appointment, recommended him, and here I was. Little did I know, he saw me because what the affirmation was, and I actually have brought my phone today, so for those of you who are watching, you probably can't see, but I carry it on my my background. What the affirmation says that I was instructed to practice every night is, I release my unconscious emotions of guilt and blame and replace them with the power of infinite love now and forever. So back to my daily experiences with obligations, right? Not only now do I have an affirmation that I practice most nights if I hold myself accountable to do it because my stories do result in guilt and blaming and many opportunities for forgiveness. And I see those moments during the day. Again, when I'm holding myself accountable, when I'm holding myself hostage, and maybe I don't repeat that whole affirmation in that moment in real time because it's hard to do that. Instead, I'll catch that that thought remove my attention and my quick go-to during the day is just placing my hand on my heart and just whispering to myself a short statement that says, I am love and I am loved. And for me, that's my reminder 
to release the guilt, the blame, or whatever it is I was holding myself or someone else hostage around and remind myself that I and they are love in that moment. I'm very grateful, Nicole, for you sharing that story with everyone today. I did not know you were going to share that. And it was a very special moment. I was actually at that chiropractic appointment with you. Um, and I kind of did a little bit of an eye roll because it was just so classic and so perfect <laughs> that, of course, that would be it. And that would be the, really the diagnosis that you're getting leaving there. Um, so thank you. And I want to just highlight something that you mentioned there that you know, laying in bed at night is a lot of the time when those things start to fester or that those cycles happen or you start to kind of berate yourself or beat yourself up for what you didn't do or you go back into those moments of pain. And, and that's a really great time to begin witnessing your thoughts and to begin catching your thoughts. As you said, it's a matter of refocusing your thoughts. So you change your thoughts, you change your life, as Wayne Dyer says. And Really, while those thoughts are happening, you are one thought away from an entirely different experience. And the only way to get there and to choose your next thought and to shift your thoughts and focus is to be conscious. And as you become conscious, when you practice that witnessing, it's exactly what happened to me last night as I was reading those reviews and I was able to witness myself in the experience. I watched myself in that experience and I noticed, oh, Jenny, you're going down this rabbit hole of really beating yourself up and all of this stuff that doesn't feel good. So in that moment, I could have continued down that, sure. And I also knew that it's my responsibility to now make the choice to refocus on something else. And in order to do that, for me, it was a quick making the choice to refocus by offering myself love and forgiveness for having those thoughts, for beating myself up and also allowing that to be. So it really does happen in those quick moments that you only have access to the more you practice consciousness and the more that you are witness. Because it, it really does, the need to forgive, all of the feelings that result in the need to forgive, the anger, the hurt, the resentment, more often than not, it is living in our mind. It isn't in the immediate moment that's happening. It happened an hour before, five years before, decades before, and we've carried it along with us. Not to say that the impact isn't there, because many of us have very well-worn ruts, um, pathways in our brain that really do result in those physiological changes. Some of us become actually stuck, and we embody then the feelings of resentment, the feelings of anger. We become it. And again, it begins in a thought. Some of you listening might only have that experience of yourself right now. I'm walking around. I am anger. I am sadness. I am grief only because there's not yet separation, right? And separation, when you create that and you learn how to harness that power of your attention, you can really then decrease the whole emotional fallout that you might be carrying again with you for a lifetime. So hopefully you're hearing and seeing that forgiveness really is a practice and a daily practice that we will do over and over on our journey. So if you're hearing this episode and, you know, wanting to practice forgiveness or wanting to deepen that part of your healing and don't know where to begin, first begin with yourself. Offer forgiveness for yourself. Maybe it's something as little as Forgiving yourself for judging yourself or for beating yourself up or forgiving yourself for not doing the thing that you said you were going to do yesterday. The more you can cultivate and create experiences with yourself, the more you can be your own proof mm -hmm. that you can forgive yourself, 
the stronger you will get with forgiveness, the deeper your healing will go that will maybe then unfold and make it a bit more workable or accessible for you to, you know, call that dad you haven't seen in 14 years if that's what forgiveness looks like for you. So as most things on our journey, forgiveness really does begin with you. And it first will start with being conscious, witnessing your thoughts, and then choosing to switch that thought with a thought of forgiveness and love and compassion for yourself first, because it's in that compassion and love that you give yourself that we then extend and radiate that out to everyone around us and the world at large. Thank you all again for tuning in and listening today. Again, if you feel called, share this podcast with your friends. Please head over and leave us a review if you would like to. I, of course, personally would love (laughs) to see some new reviews in there. Um, We look forward to continuing the journey with you next week.